Welcome to the Network Marketing Heroes Podcast, hosted by 40-year network marketing veteran, author of best-selling books, The Four-Year Career, and Mach 2 with Your Hair on Fire, and world-renowned speaker, Richard Bliss Brook. When it comes to success in network marketing, who better to learn from than leaders who have actually done it? Listen as Richard interviews top leaders and gives you a behind-the-scenes look at how they did it. You'll get incredible tips and duplicable actions you can do right now to build your own four-year career. Stay tuned after this episode for an exclusive discount code to get 10% off Richard's easy-to-use tools that will help propel your network marketing business to the next level at blissbusiness.com. Hey, everybody. Richard Blissbrook here. Hope you enjoy that replay, viewers. We'll, <laughs> we'll edit some of that out. Hey, this is uh, a very special interview. We're here at Studio Lanai'i on the island of Lanai'i in Hawaii. That is the sun rising behind us, and we have it blocked out with a screen, but this is the best place where he and I can talk without being baked by the sun. And we have a I have a special opportunity and a special interview for you here today. Uh, I'm talking to Adam Green from Kelowna, British Columbia. He is a seven, eight year veteran in network marketing. And I'm going to talk a little bit about his success, but the bulk of this interview is not about network marketing. It's just about leadership. And, you know, that's the thing that we're in, in network marketing is leadership. We're in the leadership business. We're in the leadership profession. That's what we get paid for. We get paid based in accordance to how many people we lead somewhere that where they're better off and how we do that with integrity. And so, you know, network marketing is just, it's just the best place on the planet to express your leadership and get paid big money for life for your leadership. So we're going to talk about some of the principles of leadership, some of the things that Adam did early on that maybe uh, were leadership-like, but, you know, as your team grows, you got to take on different leadership qualities and skills and distinctions and maybe talk about some of the leadership mistakes that you made. Did you ever make a leadership mistake? Probably. Probably, he says. <laughs> I might have to dig that out of him. So first, just let me tell you, uh, well, say hi to everybody, Adam, and then I'll tell them about you. Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. So uh, Adam and his uh, wife, Vanessa, and little William, who's 10 months old, yeah. are here vacationing with us uh, on Lanai for the week. And so we took this opportunity to grab an interview. Uh, and it's because this is Leadership Week at Bliss Business. If you noticed, I've been posting a different leadership blog every day on my fan page and the groups that I uh, contribute to. And so we're culminating Leadership Week by interviewing somebody who has built a team of 60, 65,000 people around the world. And, you know, if that doesn't express leadership, I don't know what does. If you look at the largest companies in the world, I know I should probably do a ranking, but if a company had 65,000 employees, they'd probably be in the, you know, at least the top 20, 30, 40 companies in the world. And so this is what Adam has done in the last seven or eight years. And he did it starting at the age of 22. He's 29 years old today. And I'm going to brag on him a little bit because he won't. He's very shy and modest about his accomplishments. 
But here's a young man that at the age of 29, not yet 30, so he's racking up all these accomplishments before he hits the big, big 30. In, uh, in his, is it your seventh or eighth year? Uh, going on year eight. Year eight, he's going to earn $2 million. Probably doesn't want anybody to know that, but I want people to know that because it's not about the money, it's about the service. If a company's paying this young man $2 million, it's because he's providing an extraordinary service and tens of millions of dollars in revenue to that company every year. And so he's the author of 25 to Life, and guess how old he was when he wrote this book? Dot, 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 dot. 25. 25 years old. And it's basically the story about how by the age of 25, Adam was already financially free. He wrote a check right before he wrote this book to pay off his first house, uh, which is now a rental. And then he went on to move to Kelowna and wrote a check for his first real home for he and his family. And a couple of months ago, he wrote another check for a home just like his beautiful home on the lake in Kelowna, right behind his beautiful home. Uh, to use for guests and leadership retreats and inspiring and coaching the leaders on his team. And besides that, he's got a big old huge bank account, like a seven-figure bank account. So that's enough of like the specific material bragging on him. And I'm doing that. He's not doing that. He'll never do that. I'm doing that because I want you to know what's possible with leadership in just a short seven or eight years in network marketing, if, and this is the big if, if you're a servant leader. Now, Adam and I know lots of people that have made a lot of money and they've made a lot of noise and they can jump up and down and pound their chest and they can show a big check. Uh, but we don't know too many people that have made that kind of money, created that kind of wealth, that kind of contribution, that kind of leadership and you did it in a company that was already 18 years old when he started, and a company that already was huge, like an old legacy company. He just came in and crushed it. So the people that he's leaving, leading to the promised land are not people that are in some thing that may or may not be in business four or five years from now, but he's leading people to an opportunity that you know, is going to be here forever based on its track record. And that's part of leadership. That's part of what we're going to talk about today is what is leadership if where you're leading people is really just something that serves you and may or may not serve yet, serve them. I mean, that, may, they might, that might be influence, that might be manipulation, but that's not the leadership that we're talking about here. So I, I trust you will enjoy this hour. You'll get a lot of great distinctions out of, it, out of it for whatever opportunity you're building. And perhaps what it will guide you to do is think more about how do I serve people long-term? How do I make it about the other people? How do I focus on their success and enjoy the long-term benefits of that and the reputation and the integrity and the peace of mind that comes with it. So that's my introduction rant. Adam Green, welcome to Studio Lanai. Say something profound. Well, something profound. It's a beautiful place. Nothing more inspiring than a, a great location. 
we this morning we woke up and had a cup of coffee and talked about this a little bit. Listen to whales off the ocean. Yeah, and sitting she, here, you can actually hear the whales breathing as they sleep in the cove a couple hundred yards from here, and we watched a bunch of shooting stars. Yeah, it really just helps put things in perspective on just how big the world is and how inspiring a great location can be. I know that uh, that's one thing that you coached me on a few years ago is, is being in a good location where you can feel inspired and motivated and have a bigger vision for what your life could be like and where you can lead people. That led me to move to a new place and pick up my roots. Yeah, and you live in a beautiful place, Kelowna. So let me ask you this, Adam Green. Um, riff just a little bit on what you've learned about leadership. I know you've read a lot of books and you've studied podcasts and you've listened to people talk about leadership, but you're also a critical thinker and you spend a lot of time just introspectively thinking about, okay, what did I do? How did I do it? How could I do it better? Just give us like a general, what is your sense about your leadership path? What have you learned and what are you learning right now? Well, I think a lot of leadership is, is leading people to do something they wouldn't do if you weren't there and then hopefully doing it better than if you weren't involved in that process. So not only leading people to do something new, but do it at a higher level because of your involvement. And I think I've probably learned the most about leadership over the past seven, eight years is leadership is actions. It's not um, reciting popular quotes and, <laughs> and dogma and, and, you know, going through all these motions, but actually, the, actually doing it and not just talking about doing it, but leading in a way that represents or reflects what you're trying to teach people to do. So you can have lots of stuff memorized and, you know, sound really cool but if your actions don't reflect what you're actually teaching, then I found that people won't find it to be authentic, true, and they won't actually do the do that you're trying to get them to do. Yeah. A lot of in there. So in the beginning, I remember once about a year ago, I heard your story um, about like your first year, the, the level of action that you were in every day like talking to people every day, doing some kind of event every day. So in the beginning of the build, uh, talk a little bit about leadership in the beginning of whatever you're doing, whether you're doing network marketing or whatever you're building. In the beginning, it might be a lot of leading you, right? Leading you to be in the action you need to be in before you really have anybody to lead as a team. So talk about that first year or year and a half where like mostly what it was on is you and what you did every day and how you motivated yourself to do the actions. Yeah, so I left personal training in November 2011 and I was making a part-time income from network marketing and needed to make a full-time income within about a year or I burned through all my savings. And so that kind of... Uh, fear of loss, not want to go back and get a job was motivation enough to do actions that I previously was not willing to do. So when I had my, my core income from personal training, some of the things I needed to do to grow my business, I didn't have to do. And so I didn't end up doing them. So those things look like doing any kind of a group event. I just wasn't doing it. I wasn't um, consistent because if I didn't do consistent meetings or events, 
I didn't have a pain point. So my bills were still paid because I had personal training. So once I left personal training and had to either get in action or be broke and get another job, it uh, I had to get in action. So that led me to do a whole lot more than I was willing to do before. Um, that looked like four to five events per week. And I would classify any event being anytime I was in front of somebody who wasn't in my business uh, or using my product. And so some of them were coffee one-on-one, -on -one, some of them were at day home, some of them were at trade shows, but I was looking to be connecting on a regular basis with people and, and a lot of them were not quality connections. I did a lot of trade shows, farmers markets, <laughs> had a 99 Honda Civic hatchback and I basically had a little pop-up shop in my trunk and I would drive to these farmers markets where there'd be four or five different booths. Most of them were like producers, like people selling potatoes and carrots. And then I've got my pop-up shop of health products. And uh, so I, I didn't get like really good leads or business partners from that, but I got experience. I got acclimatized with rejection and that it wasn't that bad of a thing. And I just got some reps under my belt. And through that process of that year and just going consistently in action, I managed to grow my own skill set, become way less attached to the outcome and more falling in love with the process of it and found some really good people that through my actions and my involvement in the business at that point, they saw a bigger vision. Uh, you know, a few people, um, Megan and Jolene, uh, came to an event in May of 2012. So that would have been like seven, eight months into my full-time build. And had it not been for that event, um, they both decided that's the decision that they made to do their business full-time. And now, that's my number one producing volume organization. In fact, she made $90,000 last month and did like a million five in business. So how important was that event? Like if you would have decided you were too busy, it was inconvenient. Um, maybe you weren't sure if people were going to show up. What if you wouldn't have done that event? And then if you would, Adam, speak to, so your intensity of actions, what do you think you would have built if instead of being in front of somebody almost every day, you were in front of somebody almost every week? Like what if your pace of play would have been I'm slower? <laughs> and then, then speak to, okay, you get Megan and Jolene involved. What if what they would have seen in you is somebody who's playing at the once a week level versus the once a day level? Like, can you speak to the impact of that leadership, that role model, that energy, that ripple effect? Mm -hmm. Like, you might not have ever even met Megan on the once a week program. Right. And she may not have even raised an eyebrow on the once a week program. Yeah, like if I had done, you know, four times slower, my results would not be four times less. It'd be like exponentially less because I've, I've learned that success loves speed. I've learned that, um, that it's not just a, a straight you know, the compounds, the compounds. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, I've heard the analogy is like gunpowder. If you have a gunpowder sprinkled around and try and light it on fire and nothing happens, but you compress the same amount of gunpowder into a smaller space it creates an explosion. So my first year was a smaller space where I did a lot more because I needed to. It was out of necessity and that motivated me to do things I wouldn't do otherwise. 
uh, and, and meet more people because Megan and Jalene were not the first people that I met. Chelsea was not one of the first people that I met who went on to build a great business. These, and these are also not people that identify themselves as being um, influential or business driven initially. They came on board as a customer using the product and then through me being available to help them at the very beginning, um, them getting great results from a product and then seeing what a part-time income it could produce led them to think that they could maybe make a, a full-time or you know a couple grand a month at least. And right. if you've got a couple people on your team who want to make a couple grand, then that's going to make me all the money I need to make. And it compounds from there because you know the people that I introduce, they want to make a couple grand a month. Yeah. So if you think about the concept of compressing, you know, this, this may not sound like it's about leadership folk, but it, it is about leadership. It's about leading. First of all, you got to lead you. You got to lead you to be in the kind of action that creates the result you're looking for and creates the inspiration for anybody you're around, anybody you touch. So if you're on the once a week program, it's not so intense. That's not so energetic. It doesn't put out there. It doesn't touch people and have them go, oh, wow, something going on here. But if you're on the once a day program, and so you may think, oh my gosh, how could I ever sustain that kind of level for a year? Well, you don't have to think that way. You don't have to embrace that right away. What if you just practiced on a 10-day burst? What if you just took a 10-day chunk and led yourself to compress that level of activity in 10 days? And then when you kind of master the 10 days, then maybe you go for 30 days. And when you master the 30 days, then go for 90 days. And, you know, success in, in any business, doesn't matter if you're network marketing or what you're in. I mean, if you look at the rarefied air, if you look at the people on the top, if, if you boil it down to like, what's the difference between somebody that crushes it and somebody that doesn't, it's almost always the person that crushes it just does the work. Like, if, if you just invited one person, got in front of one person a day for 90 days, guess what? You would have got in front of more people in your company in a 90-day period than like maybe 999. You'd be like one out of 10,000 people just by talking to one person a day for 90 days. Why is that? Most people don't do the work. They want what comes from the work, but they just don't believe the work is worth it. So they don't do it. So that's leadership, Adam. One more thing I want you to speak to around leading you in the beginning is how important is motivation when it comes to leadership? Like what's the connection between you leading you and you leading other people and you being powerfully motivated? I think it's everything because before I left my job, I wanted things, but I wasn't motivated enough to actually do the work because I had a plan B or it was my plan B and it didn't inspire me into action. So the thought of having to go back and get another job in personal training was more than enough motivation to do a whole bunch of things I normally wouldn't do. Uh, and that led me to take a lot more action than I would have taken otherwise. And, you know, I, I had a mindset of this is going to take me a few years, but if I can make even a couple grand after doing this full time for a year, then I would, uh, I would have solved my problem. Um, so that, you know, I, I set the pace for the team initially because that I was the only model for them to see and I was available for them to do meetings if they needed. And, uh, but so I, I had a core motivation because I did not want to go back to 
personal training. But when I was interacting with people who are coming on board, uh, I work my hardest to not have them smell that on me. So they're not thinking, Hey, Adam needs me because he needs to not personal train. It's like, no, Adam needs me to have great results with these products, be a great customer. And if it serves me, then he'll help me to share with a few people. And so people like Megan, Jillian, Chelsea, I don't think, I never asked them actually, but I don't think they would have seen me in, you know, 2012 going, oh, like Adam's just doing this so he doesn't have to personal train. They would have got Adam's passion about these products, Adam's passion about what he's teaching, Adam's passion about this lifestyle, he's passionate about all the things I was bringing to the table. And it wasn't Adam's passion about not getting a job in nine months. Right. So that's kind of like having, being motivated from having a passion or, and purpose-based based vision versus just a fear of, I got to work so I'm not broke, or I got to work so I don't have to go back to the chicken plant. And, you know, that's for those of you that maybe are struggling with motivation, Adam said something here that's just really, really powerful is if you have choices, if you have a great job, if you, if you don't need the money, then you really do need to spend more time than perhaps Adam and I had to spend in mastering your own motivation because maybe it was a little easier for us because I didn't want to go to back to the chicken plant and he didn't want and so if your if your bit bridges aren't um, aren't burned then you gotta that that doesn't necessarily mean you have a handicap or have it tougher but you know you need to like really pay attention to your motivation you need to ask yourself why are you doing this what do you want out of it? And how important is that to you? And, are, and are, is it worth enough for you to do the work? Because if you don't put that equation together and you don't have that story of inevitability of what you're going to build, build here and it moves you to do the work, then you just tend to kind of hang out and do what's convenient. And then you don't work at the pace that Adam did and produce these huge compressed results. So next phase, Adam, I want you to speak to is now you have a team, you know, whether it's 10 or 20 or 100 people. And of course, you know, you're the lead dog. You're the most productive person. Maybe you're maybe making the most money and you're kind of the dominant person on the team. And yet what some leaders do with that is they just carry that on. And, you know, they're always the biggest personality in the room. They're always the one on stage. They're always the one with the, with the answer. And they also tend to oftentimes solve everybody's problems, no matter what it is. I'll, I'll handle it. I'll fix it. I'll, I'll enroll them. I'll do the presentation. I'll answer all the questions. So, you know, there's this phase where you got to move into where it's like, okay, you got them to the party. Now, how do you start to make it about them? How do you get like William to stand on his own two feet and, and walk? How do you do that balance between you're still there powerfully leading and yet you're not always the answer? Well, I was, I was afflicted with exactly what you mentioned where at the beginning I did internally desire more spotlight. I wanted the, I don't know, the, the encouragement that it would brought would have brought me. Um, but not so much so that I wanted to keep people out of it. So I had a desire for it, but I didn't work to keep people out of it. 
So um, I think part, part of the success in that process or, or the solution there is to find people who are just better than you because some of the people who are coming on board, when they caught their own vision for what they wanted to do, they had probably a stronger motivation than I did. They had kids. They wanted to be home with them. And now I'm 10 months into being a parent. I get that motivation. So you know, I was motivated to not go back to personal training. That doesn't require that much money. Uh, they were motivated to be home with their kids. And that motivation led them to be as motivated, if not more. And, uh, and I just found some people who were better than me. I'm 22, no business experience, no network marketing experience, um, mildly to moderately desperate and uh, not a whole lot of life experience and, and beyond my mini motivation, I didn't have a bigger vision for it. So I, 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 I wanted them to see their vision. I helped them catch it and then just- How did you help them catch it? I helped them do the work, like by handholding a little bit at the beginning, like at the, the very beginning, if they needed a meeting, I just, I just did it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have like a system in place of like, I'll do the first one, you'll help me with the second one. I was desperate, so I'm like, if you need me, I'm there. And again, they, some of the people I was talking to were sharper than I was. So they're viewing the presentation and going like, this is great. Like I'll, they'll, they'll use my help where it's, you know, accessible, but also going, I can see how I can do this better. I maybe wouldn't do it this way. And they're already going like, okay, like he's done pretty well. If he's doing well, I can do well. And so by, by me being there and me being available and them also seeing, Hey, this isn't actually so hard. I could probably do this that leads them to think, well, if he's making money, I can make money. And if they start making money, then I make more money and it just kind of cascades. So it may not have been intentional for you, but how important is it in the passing of that baton for them to look at what you're doing and say, well, if he can do it, I can do it. How important is that then that what you're doing is not rocket science? It's not like, you Everything. know, you can take this business, you can take any product and you can become a scientist. You can become a PhD in your product, you become a PhD in your comp plan, you can become a PhD and I got all these systems and hoops that you jump through. So was your simplicity intentional, strategic, or just the way you did it? Well, at, at the beginning, it wasn't simple. So I, again, I, I had no experience, no one coaching me. So I thought I should be an expert on everything. So I memorized presentations. I knew all the ingredients. I would wow people at a presentation and everyone would want to buy because they're like, this, this kid knows his stuff. But they would all leave the event going, well, I can never do what you just did. When can you come back? So I was, <laughs> I was just doing the, the circuit because I was available. So they need me to do an event because they could never do it. And through doing that and realizing, okay, my results are okay, but I'll get better results if there's something called duplication. If people see what I do and go, oh, I could do that. So then I, there was a conscious shift of, okay, maybe I won't have all the answers for them. Maybe I'll help them find the answer instead of telling them it. So, you know, we would use more, you know, company product materials instead of me just regurgitating the info. Uh, I'd help people find the answers or contact customer service instead of doing it for them. And instead of being that, the focal point middleman answering and being everyone's beck and call, I became more of an empowerment specialist where I'd help them find the answers or we are working to present our product and opportunity in a way that somebody would leave it, maybe being less impressed with me individually, but more, 
but believing that exposure going that didn't look so hard i could probably do that and that was like a huge like shift for me because before i was i need to be the best i need to be the brightest and i need them to be wowed because i'm 22 years old instead i just need them to see hey good product good opportunity he was all right if he's doing this and making money then i can definitely do it so actually like not being less impressive to a point was more useful in the long term yeah. business. Right. So, but that's a big breakthrough. How did you, how did you discover that? And how did you have the courage? Cause it takes great courage to, if you're producing really well with really hands on and then you like take hands off, you know, you, you can't anticipate, well, if I'm not doing it and I'm letting them do it, things may, you may go in for a dip. Yeah. So how did you have the courage? How were you motivated to make that transition, take the spotlight off of you? And where did you get this breakthrough? Cause this is a, this is, I mean, like if you look, if you track a thousand leaders in network marketing that could go on to build a huge empire, there's a big, big chunk of them that never go big because they never let go. They never have the courage to go through that transition where maybe things are a little chaotic and a little ugly for a while while somebody else tries to figure it out or they never have the courage to tell somebody this is I know you can speak to this they never have the courage to tell somebody I don't know go on the website and figure it out <laughs> right or I do know but go on the website and figure it out quit asking me the same question like what do I look like a walking website go figure it out that's a tough response to give somebody especially if you're trying to like oh my gosh don't quit i need you to qualify so how did you do that that you the way you told the story it's like oh you're going along and then you just had this realization yeah it, i don't it, it didn't happen all at once i can't think of one specific event or or book or experience that led me to learn that it Almost everything that I did, especially in the very, very beginning days, was all trial and error because we didn't have business training. Um, everything was so product oriented at that point, and we didn't have a huge success model to follow. So we were kind of me and my first people who got on board. It was kind of like the blind leading the blind, mm -hmm. and we figured out together. So again, tribute to the people who joined me at the very beginning of my build, and like I, I knew I need to help them be able to do it and they couldn't replicate what I was doing. So it required us going, okay, well how do like, even just with you, the very first people who are saying yes to this opportunity, how do we get you to the point where you don't need me to do the event? Because right. again, that only scales so far. I've only got, you know, seven nights a week. So if your seven nights become full, that there's no more bandwidth right. for growth. It's linear income where you need 700, 7,000 meetings a week. Yep. So, you know, some of the, the first people who joined in that year in 2012, um, the Megans, the Jaleens, the Chelsea's, when they caught the vision for it, like Chelsea was a teacher and wasn't motivated initially, you know, didn't join for the business, joined for product. But again, her motivation shifted at one point because when she had to go back to teaching and realized she had to leave her kids at home and didn't really want that anymore, then it's like, okay, well, how do I earn enough income through this? And through those kind of uh, realizations, and her needing to make it a full-time income. Now it's like, okay, well, how do we scale my business? This isn't about Adam's business, it's about Chelsea's business. And how do we not only make you become the best leader possible, but now you're teaching your next generation of leaders who are coming on board 
So her being a teacher would have been a huge asset to us, you know, determining these types of things inside of our business. And, uh, yeah, like yeah. It, it was so trial and error. Like I look at someone who joins, not even might like if you're joining network marketing today in any organization, you can watch this Facebook live or you can, there's way more videos and content out than ever before. It doesn't need to be so much trial and error. And I look at the people who join my team now and some people think like the first mentality is, Oh, well again, you're successful because you, you joined back at the beginning. Like, well, no, I was four years old when my company was founded. So I didn't join at the beginning and <laughs> there's over a million people who joined before me more than a million who joined after. Uh, and plenty of people joined the same time as, as Megan and Jolene and Chelsea and Heidi and Heather and some of our core leadership. Um, but I look at people who would join just even my team right now and what they would have to work with. They have a success model. They have people who are making money. They have people who have had success and figured out all this stuff over seven, eight years, seven, eight years ago, we talked theoretically, like someone makes money. I don't really make that much. I make a thousand, but somebody out there is making way more than me. I can't introduce you to them. Um, there's no one in this meeting who's making that kind of money, but right. Follow this picture. You could. Yeah. And now there is. So now there is people, people joining today have a, and this is true in so many companies. People join today have a way, way better opportunity to accomplish the same thing in the next four five, six years as people did four five, six years ago or 14 years ago. And so that's a really important distinction for, for we all to teach people and give them that perspective. So the next thing I want to talk about, Adam, as we kind of like run this towards the end is the, probably the most inspiring and impressing thing that I see about your leadership is maybe the biggest issue we have with leadership in at least the network marketing profession. And that is that it seems like the more money people make and the more recognition they get, the more influence they get, the more stage time they get, the more their lack of confidence and their peace and their personal power is exposed, the more they kind of just become a wrecking ball of insecurities or, you know, it's almost like they have these frustrations and these ang this anger and this, um, this bigger hole, like the more money to make the hole that's in their heart is just like bigger. And it's more about me, 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 and more recognition and more dominance and more of that. And of course, people get very creative about how they do that. But one of the things that impresses me most about you and the path that you're on is your humility. And I don't mean humility as, as modesty. So Adam, Adam is not modest. He doesn't shy away from his accomplishments. He owns his accomplishments, but he also doesn't lead with them and like seek more recognition and more influence. It's, uh, it's a very user-friendly, um, like humble thing to be around and it allows other people to grow up and shine and take the spotlight. And so I want you to speak to you know, and just be like candid with these people because this is a real powerful message that people need to get. It's one thing to develop the leadership to be successful. It's another thing to develop the leadership 
for that success to be, to feel good around everybody that you touch, like for them to be, feel safe around that success and inspired around that success, as opposed to be intimidated by it or beat up by it, or even like for people to look at, wow, you make so much money, but yet you're still so needy and you're still so manipulative and you're still so gossipy and so what is that path? Because I know you did this intentionally. This wasn't accidentally. You watch people. You've watched people on the stage of network marketing. You've decided who you want to be like and who you don't want to be like. Tell people about that path and why it's important to you and, and what you see the benefits are. Well... It's, it's, it's been a growing evolution learning process for me. If you interview me four years ago, I think we have an interview from four <laughs> years ago, which would be interesting to listen to again. But like my leadership style four years ago and my, my needs and my posturing were way different. Four years ago, I was much more addicted to the stage, um, needed the feeling of importance that it brought led me to travel more than I probably would wanted to. But if someone said, Hey, we want you to speak. I was there because it made me feel um, needed and wanted and appreciated. And th those feelings tend to come from feelings of lack or like I'm less than um, low self-esteem. So if I, if I, even though I'm making good money, I got a great influence. If I still at the core feel like I'm not enough, then the, the stage and the recognition that brings can really like feed into solving that problem, but it doesn't really solve it. It just prolongs the dealing of those feelings. Um, so I, I got clarity around what I wanted. I got clarity around um, who I wanted to be, what my life wanted, what my life should look like. And that doesn't necessarily involve the stage anymore. Although I've got you know, our business has never been better. And on, on an influence scale, I've probably been the most influential. I have the most ability to influence right now than ever before. I don't, at this point in my life, uh, I don't need it. And what I mean, like, what I mean by that is, if I don't speak, I don't feel like I'm missing out on, um, like I'm empty. Mm -hmm. Like I don't need the stage to fill a void that was there before. In fact, you know, we, we talk about all the time, like, you know, real leaders, like elevate other leaders instead of creating more followers. And that's great on a quote, but it's way different lived out. And if you had, the leadership style I had a few years ago would have been, I, I want you to be as, as successful as possible, but just don't take my keynote. Right. And, <laughs> and I, I don't think they would have felt that way. And I like, I, I don't think I like, led so much that people would be like, Oh, like Adam, Adam wants me to be just as good, but not better. And like, I did want people to be better, but I still wanted to feel important. And now I feel important, not because of a stage or because of success or accomplishments, but because of creating a lifestyle that I'm happy and proud of and creating more leaders. So like we just had our annual convention or regional convention. And it's my first time in like eight, nine years that I didn't have like a whole bunch of sessions. Um, that I had to speak at and that was intentional because you know I look at my first few years going to conventions and I think my third national convention first two I had nobody with me and by the third one I had eight six or eight people who just came to the event with me and then I look at what that looks like seven eight years later and we've got you know lots of people who are there with 
us, but I had nine people who were speakers. So I wasn't the keynote, I wasn't the person who's on stage speaking, but I had nine people on my team who were on the stage in some capacity. And that made me happier than me being at the stage. And that's something that would not have existed two, three years ago because I still needed that. So I, uh, to try and summarize, like some things that really helped me gain clarity is figuring out actually what I truly wanted. So, you know, be moving into an environment that made me feel um, more creative, um, more excited about just the day-to-day minutia of life was huge uh, for me. So creating an environment that I, that success really thrived in. Um, and also for, for me, having a son in the past 10 months has provided even more clarity. Because before, if you'd asked me to speak in Hong Kong three years ago, like book my flight, even though I could afford to pay for it and I wasn't like I was getting wine and dying to go do it. It's like, oh, someone wants me in Hong Kong, I'll go to Hong Kong. Now my desire to travel is next to none unless I really want to do it and then I'll figure out how it works into my life. But it comes second or third compared to my, my core priorities uh, that have really laid out my life and having, having that first child really has given me a whole lot more clarity. Uh, it's given me a deeper understanding of how many of my business builders, my leaders have viewed their build, give me more respect for what they've done. And, uh, yeah, it's just helped me, I think, advance my leadership even more because now I'm not just leading a team, but I have to worry about leading a family right. even more so. So if you, if you track with this, this, this is not unlike the beginning stages in the first year of the build, there's like, it's all me, me, me. It's all I'm doing the work. I'm doing the actions. And then at some point you got to figure out how to pass the baton. You got to figure out how to, how to scale what you're doing in that first year so that you have four people doing it and then 14 people doing it and then 40 people doing it. You got to scale. The only way to build an empire is to scale your own personal activities. And then if you like track with that, okay, now you have this big team and and you're making really good money and maybe you can speak and you're getting a lot of recognition because of your rank and your team. And now, you know, speaking is just one example of leadership. Maybe you don't speak. Maybe it's not about being on stage. Maybe it's just about when you're in a group setting, who has all the answers? Who has the last word? Who is the most important person to stand up and tell people what they think? If it's you, then that perhaps is a place to look because in order for you to scale a large organization to be even larger, can't be about you. And that doesn't mean that you hide and that doesn't mean that you don't have a voice, but perhaps your voice is whispering in the ear of your up and coming leader that, hey, take this and run with it. Hey, this is your time. Hey, you can do this. Hey, you're better than you think. And so how do you, how do you do that? So I think a common theme throughout all of this folks is transformational development, personal development, whatever you call it is the thing about network marketing. You know, Adam spoke to it earlier. You can get people on your team quickly that are better than you. You know, they may have more ambition. They have more self-esteem. They have more influence. They have more contacts. They might get the whole thing. They might have more time than you do. And all of a sudden, you got 100, 200, 2,000 people on your team, and you're making really good money, but you haven't developed yourself so that you're like up to speed on that level of leadership and responsibility. Like, 
you don't have the confidence and the peace and the self-esteem to keep that going. Like you can end up holding it back. And one of the ways you hold it back is if you make it about you, if your voice is the most important voice, if your recognition is the most important. And this shows up a lot of ways. You know, this can show up in a Facebook group. Just notice how you interact in a Facebook group. Notice how you interact in a small group setting. Notice how you interact when there's an opportunity to be on stage. Is it about you lobbying and manipulating and, you know, having that addiction to it has to be about you if that's the case? Wow. What's next for you is not more team and not more money, but more personal transformational development so that you can always be coming from service, always be championing other people, always be lifting other people up instead of your sucking the oxygen out of the room because it's got to be about you. This is, this is the essence of leadership. And Adam and I see it missing, like on the biggest stages of our profession. People that are making $100,000 a month, and they act like they're making three. And so this is our wish for all of you, that, that you really you know, read every blog uh, that we put out this week on leadership and make leadership your mission. Because in our profession, in the profession where you can end up seven, eight years later and you got 65,000 people on your team, what could be more important than leadership? What could be more important than, than coaching and inspiring those people for them to have the same opportunity you have? And that's, you know, that's a beautiful thing about our profession. The person that comes in tomorrow has the same opportunity, if not a better opportunity than, than you did. And the most important thing you can do as a leader is make sure you have a culture, make sure you have an environment that fosters that. And to the degree it's about you, doesn't foster that. You have the last word, Adam Green. What do you want to tell these people about? Like, okay, people are probably sitting there going, okay, what do I do? Now what do I do? What do I do next? What would be a next step for anybody listening if they wanted to tackle their leadership development? Well, cl clarity is so important in what you actually want out of your life, want out of your business, what's, what's your end goal and result. Cause if you know what you're working towards, then, um, it shifts everything. It makes it way easier. Like if you know exactly what you're working towards and it doesn't necessarily involve you needing to be in the spotlight all the time, then like the spotlight shouldn't be part of your, your core needs. Uh, so this could be more about asking the intentional strategic questions like Jim Rohn might say, you know, what are your philosophies? Establish your philosophies of life so that you can be guided by those as opposed to if you don't have philosophies, if you don't, if you're not clear about your core values, then you tend to just live out of reaction and out of the void, right? You get, you get hooked by things. Yep. And cause, cause you don't, you haven't intentionally created a higher vision, a framework, right? So, like I guess the biggest next step likely from this would be create that framework, create that clarity. It won't 
come just from this Facebook no. Live. It won't come from the first time you sit there and try and really write this out. Um, this is, you know, seven, eight years for me. If you, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of what we've been able to accomplish and the growth. I'm not exactly proud. Um, well, I'm proud of like who I become along the way and the different elements of the leadership as it's gone because I didn't know what I didn't know. And all the experiences of my past have led me to exactly yeah. where I'm at. So, you know, I can't go back and wish I had done things differently, but it is, it, it's, it's humorous to a point looking back and seeing with the clarity I have now and the experience, how, you know, things in maybe 2013, 2014 really were so self-serving just to a, a core inner desire to feel seen, needed, and important. And none of those things translated into what now I know to be uh, like my clarity, my vision, like none of those things were based on my income or my relationships. They're all based on me right. and, and feelings of lack. And so with, with the clarity I have now that I've worked to create, that's been, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, hundreds of hours, lots of repetitions, lots of learning. Uh, I, I, I'm very confident where I'm at now. And I also, those experiences allow me to hopefully, guide people to maybe not make some of the same um longer learning mistakes that i did and like i look at some of our people who are at like that next up and coming leadership level in our own business and you know, I, I wish i had somebody be able to just kind of like chirp in my ear like okay like you just got to this point this is great but here's what i learned at this phase of my business and here's how you can avoid it probably cuts two years off their learning curve like that and allows them to lead better, become more, and that just, it compounds. So leadership is a compounding, just like our business compounds, the growth can compound, become um, geometrically progress uh, into extreme numbers. Leadership compounds, I think, too, because leadership breeds, with the right intentions, leadership breeds better leadership, more leadership, and that leads to greater impact. Or it can become toxic and uh, crumble. Right. So that's the message, that's the next step, is get clarity about what you want in life. Ask yourself, what are my philosophies? What's the most important thing to me? What is my gift? What do I have to offer people as opposed to what do I need from other people? What do I need from the world? That's not the question to ask. The question to ask is, what's the gift you have to offer the world? And if you weren't needy and you weren't insecure and you weren't scared, then what would you want out of life? Like what would you want your life to look like and who would you want to be? Our biggest leverage point, folks, is our being. It's not what we have. It's not even what we do. It's who we are. And so as you set goals and you create visions and you, you go inside to ask yourself, you know, like, what do you want to happen here? The most important question is, who do I want to be? Who do I want to be like? What kind of qualities do I want? What kind of characteristics do I want? What kind of gifts do I want to impart to other people? And go to work on that. Go to work affirming that, creating stories around that, and develop yourself. Develop yourself into be a, being a beaming light of spirituality and love and contribution and energy and excitement and service. And that's going to bring people to you that are like-minded and like-hearted, and you'll duplicate that into a beautiful business that can last generations, like into your children and into your grandchildren. That's what, the, that's what we have the opportunity 
to do here. Leadership is the grand profession of the future. It's the biggest void we have in this world. And leadership is leading people to a place they want to go, but they don't have the vision and courage to go on their own. And when they get there, it's their promised land. It's their, it's their paradise. That's our opportunity. That's our role. That's what we get paid for. Thank you, Adam Green, for joining us and sharing your seven, eight-year journey. And we'll check in with him in another five or six years. I guarantee you he'll have some extraordinary wisdom about what he's learned next. Thank you for joining us. For now, Bye. goodbye from Lanai. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Richard Bliss Brooks' Network Marketing Heroes podcast. If you are inspired and are ready to create your own success story, then it is time to take advantage of some of the top network marketing tools available. Pick up the top recruiting tool that has prospects saying, yes, the four-year career and the four-year career for women. Get your mindset right. Without a clear vision, success is lost. Check out the best-selling book on vision, Mach 2 with your hair on fire. Learn to think like a successful person with this step-by-step -step guide on how to break through your self-imposed limitations. Mach 2 Vision Training is a 90-minute four-part video training where you get Richard to walk you through crafting your vision. It's a must for anyone looking to step outside the box and hit the ground running. For 10% off your order, use the discount code HERO at checkout. If you're serious about building your business, make sure to subscribe to Richard's blog for all the latest tools and articles. This success story is not typical. It is meant to inspire you and show you what's possible. It is not what you should expect to accomplish. Your income will depend entirely on you, your commitment, your work ethic, your leadership, and your ability to acquire customers and inspire sales leaders to join your team. Most people who start off intending to build a sales team do not maintain their motivation to continue.